Like one of the reasons that I really, uh, I really love working here, it, it, it's providing an environment for everyone to excel at what they're really, really good at and, and bringing people from all over the world with really, really interesting stories who not necessarily went to design school, who might be college dropouts and they're like geniuses and they're all here to contribute um, and design for our community and tell the stories of our community. So it's a pretty wonderful sort of like ecosystem that's been created here and I just get to be a part of it mm -hmm. and advocate for it. That's awesome. Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dici and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. What's up, Nas? Thank you so much for being on That Creative Life. I'm so excited for you to be here, um, being a part of Airbnb. I think there's a lot of cool conversations we can have. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited too. Of course. So let's just start out. What is kind of your your role at Airbnb? Uh, I'm sure your everyday changes and is you know has a variety, but just yeah. What what do you what do you do at Airbnb? Um, I'm a group creative director. Uh, I'm currently working on our guest uh, part of the brand, and uh, you know I have a team of really amazing creatives that we get to. Um, dream up a lot of ideas and hopefully execute on them that and something that's really helpful hopefully for our guests and for our user and for a user base in our community. With Airbnb, design is everywhere from the way people interact, you know, on the app, the website, but then also you think about physical spaces a lot. I've actually visited y'all's uh, office in San Francisco and the first time I ever walked in there, I was so overwhelmed by how beautiful it was, but also um, how different it was. <laughs> and so um, design obviously influences Airbnb a lot, but what is kind of your specific discipline within design? What gets you most the most excited about design? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, our founders were both designers. Two of the founders were designers and Design is like really 100% woven into the fabric of who we are, how we, we interact with each other, how we think about projects, how we think about our community. Um, so it's pretty wonderful um, to be on that side and to be a part of that. Uh, my discipline, actually, like my background is, um, is mostly in advertising, I would say, but in the last couple of years or so, um, I've really shifted into um, storytelling based on just human stories and human insight. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and that's what I sort of hopefully bring to the table. And that's what the team uh, is trying to do at this moment of time um, uh, within the new sort of organization and team that we're a part of. And so a lot of storytelling, sometimes in product, sometimes off product. Um, and you know, it's very visually driven, but at the same time, we're trying to go as deep as possible. Definitely. Um, you said you have, you know, a history in advertising, but you studied architecture in college. So it'd be interesting to kind of go down that road of how did you first, first of all, get into architecture? Yeah, it's a funny story. Um, <laughs> I wish it was a profound story, but it's a really funny story. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when um, I think I was like 14 or 15 uh, living in Iran. And I, I've always been really sort of creative. Uh, I've done theater. I've done painting, calligraphy, like you name it. I did it um, growing up. Uh, but also I didn't understand like how I can have a job um, that could also be creative because, uh, you know, it was my family was like a very sort of. Uh, I guess like from a job perspective, very traditional family, you either became a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Um, and I didn't want to do any of those. Um, so, so I had uh, one of my neighbors who happened to be an architect started just sort of like talking to me and my parents about wanting this intern that he couldn't find. Um, so I became that intern and I started working at, uh, at his architecture firm. He's an, he was an amazing guy, such an incredible mentor. Um, and, and that was the beginning of going into, um, architecture school. And I did that for a couple of years and switched to design, which at the time was called electronic media because I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
stuff. <laughs> electronic uh, media, huh? Yeah, electronic media. Um, we used IMAX. Uh, <laughs> Love it. With Photoshop. And um, I'm not going to name other applications because that would really age me horrendously. Um, but we used, uh, it was sort of design, uh, you know, especially like digital design just seemed like such a natural progression from architecture to me. You know, designing a website was at the time was like designing a home. You had to understand like how to welcome people, how to navigate, help people find their ways, navigate, where to make them comfortable, where to just sort of like move them along. So it didn't feel that far off to me in from a philosophical perspective. So I went into that and here I am all these years later, just like bringing theater, storytelling, and, you know, visual design and architecture and all of that stuff together in one place, which basically is my dream job. I love it. Because a lot of times when you're in the middle of it, I went to school for electrical engineering for three and a half years, and then I dropped out <laughs> to be a YouTuber. <laughs> um, but it's interesting how it kind of comes back, right? And when I was, I actually switched to computer science, and it's shocking how Five years later, I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, what I learned is actually coming back sometimes. And it's interesting how that works out. Um, and so with architecture and design, what drew you to uh, advertising? And what did that look like through some of your first jobs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was sort of always like fascinated by, um, like I would say, the storytelling aspect of advertising, which I think some brands were doing really, really well. Like, you know, at the time, Nike and Apple, um, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the subject matters and, and the people that they're speaking about seem some of the most interesting things that were happening, um, you know, as well as like, I think movies and TV and all of that stuff too. Uh, don't want to undermine like all that greatness <laughs> that happens there. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of amazing things that was happening and I really did want to be a part of it, but I just didn't know how I didn't know anybody in advertising again. Like I grew up knowing like that there were only three jobs possible. Um, so being in design, I think was like the stepping stone into getting into advertising for me. Um, and I start sort of like creating brands and brand stories for a lot of nonprofits, a lot of friends, artists and whatnot. Uh, who needed that at the time, um, and then I ended up getting hired into a smaller agency, uh, which led me into going to Ogilvy and getting my like hardcore training and wow. advertising with people like Steve Hayden, who like yeah. wrote the best ad ever, um, and just sort of you know like just watching and learning and absorbing and and just being a sponge and yeah. and and I think like just coming at that point of time into advertising, being someone who understood sort of not just digital as a medium, but the digital space for storytelling for, uh, you know, I think my generation is probably the last generation that's not really native mm -hmm. uh, for in the digital realm. So it was it was a really funny uh, time to to also bring these amazing veterans who've been doing uh, such an incredible job putting brands like Apple or Nike um, into cultural zeitgeist, but mm. sort of like introducing them to this, like what where this digital thing was going to take us all. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, I have so many questions about <laughs> Ogilvy and like, how, how long were you there? <gasps> oh my God. I don't know, like three, four years. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, for, I'm sure, you know, a lot of my audience is pretty savvy, so I'm sure they know who Ogilvy is. But for the people who don't know, um, they are one of the few mecha advertising uh, companies that, you know, for for me, if like Ogilvy reaches out, I just did a campaign with him with IBM. So I know it's like, oh, IBM and Ogilvy. Okay. Like, this is the big leagues, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I imagine that you were, you know, probably part of that transition where maybe copy is a little less important because, you know, we need to be more visual and we're on so many different mediums. What was the biggest challenge while, you know, while you were there with maybe leading teams or um, having people who might be a little, little bit more traditional who maybe, you know, didn't jump on the whole social thing. I imagine that was like kind of just beginning. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges there? Cause I'm sure, you know, in the sixties it's copy. It's like, how can you encapsulate this idea in four words? Right. Yeah. But I imagine that 
it kind of evolved. <laughs> yeah, evolved, but also stayed very similar. I think like one of the the best learnings that I had in those years working with you know, as you said, the big leagues and the giants of our industry who I have so much respect for mm-hmm. is this simple ideas win. Hmm. They always do, no yeah. matter what they are. You know, if you can describe what you're trying to do based on an insight that's universal and uses like human language versus mm-hmm. like tech language yeah. or whatever language else, um, and, and be able to like explain your idea in the simplest way, Everybody gets it. People start repeating it. They start sort of thinking that they're part of it uh, and they come along with you. And I think that hasn't changed. I, to this day, I think like if you ask anybody on, on my team, they say like, I'm just a stickler for really simple ideas. They're the hardest ones um, to communicate, to come up with and then to communicate um, at the same time. So I think that's sort of, uh, that was, it wasn't really a challenge. You asked for a challenge. I think it was a big learning for me. It was like a really, um, I feel like I got my schooling in, in, in advertising, um, at Ogilvy. And that was the best lesson that I, I learned, uh, from everybody I worked with. Yeah. Um, let's actually kind of skip ahead to the Airbnb's fellowship program. Cause as you've, uh, talked about, like, experience matters. I mean, you got into architecture because you got an internship. You went into Ogilvy and I'm sure you learned more than four years of experience. And so when you're in places like this where you're around people who are really knowledgeable, you know, you learn fast. And I'm such a big fan of like, guys, as a college dropout, I still understand college has a ton of value. Okay, I'm not, this is not the time for me to get on my pedestal. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like experience and being around people who are knowledgeable really helps. So tell me a little bit about, yeah, the fellowship program. Um, So we have this amazing group of people who put the fellowship program together. Um, I, my hat is off to them on daily basis. They bring some of the best people with backgrounds in design, photography, film, writing, copywriting um, into Airbnb. They design an entire um, sort of program for them where they rotate between different businesses, different teams. Um, And as part of it, there's also, um, they do a big project. And the big project is usually a brief that they create on their own. Um, Obviously, every single one of them is so incredibly talented and so intelligent and beyond their years. And I'm at awe of every single one of them learning from them. Um, And their briefs are usually something that impacts the business in a positive way or impacts our community in a positive way. Um, So I had a privilege of working with one of the fellows for a couple of months um, um, on one of our products called Plus, uh, which is more of a uh, it's it's a design brand brand. uh, that's verified uh, within our platform. And one of our fellows, Sadie, came up with an idea of creating basically uh, a zine, uh, which, by the way, it's it's not your just sort of traditional zine. It's so elevated and, and wonderful um, that was going to basically be uh, a, a big teaching and inspiring moment for our host community. Um, she took it off the ground and it was funded through the, the program and she was able to publish it. Uh, and distributed amongst all of our plus hosts and got such amazing feedback about how inspiring it was and how much they learned from it. Um, I think her impact uh, was tremendous. And I think this real world training um, that the fellows are getting uh, is is something that I had the privilege of of getting, you know, whether it was like interning, as you said, with my neighbor or... (laughs) you know, being like a, a wide eye sort of like junior art director at, uh, at Ogilvy, I think it's, it's just giving, um, giving the opportunity to people who are working so hard and who are so talented and have so much to offer uh, is, is wonderful. It's one of, I mean, it's like one of the reasons that I really, uh, I really love working here. It, it, it's uh, providing an environment for everyone to excel at what they're really, really good at and, and bringing people from all over the world with really, really interesting stories who not necessarily went to design school, who might be college dropouts and they're like geniuses um, or, you know, like they, they, they studied I mean, or they had a job in um, insurance companies. Mm-hmm. 
and they're all here to contribute um, and design for our community and tell the stories of our community. So it's a pretty wonderful sort of like ecosystem that's been created here. And I just get to be a part of it Mm -hmm. and advocate for it. That's awesome. And how often do you guys uh, have new people come into the program? I mean, I think it depends, though. I've seen it like sometimes every six months or okay, every cool. year, um, uh, uh, you know, like the uh, and an old fellow of us who is an amazing lead now runs the program and cool. she does such an incredible job just bringing the right people in. Yeah. yeah awesome. I'll, yeah, I'll link that in the notes below, guys, if anyone wants to check that out. Um, but when we talked about design earlier and how hard it is to you know, bring about simple ideas and not just simple and beautiful, but I think good design also solves problems. And a good example of it for my personal brand that I didn't even come up with, but a fellow YouTuber did, is no one knew how to say my last name. My name is Sarah Dietschy, and it's spelled crazy. Like they would say Daichki, like what the hell even is that? Um, and a fellow YouTuber basically titled one of our collaboration videos, Rhymes with Peachy. And I was like, oh, interesting. Sarah Dietschy rhymes with Peachy. And that's kind of become, you know, a part of my brand. And it's so simple, but it solves a really huge problem. Um, And I imagine with Airbnb, you're not just concerned about the customers, the people on the end of, um, you know, renting out these spaces, but also the hosts, like you said. And I'm sure that's such a, um, that's a lot to to think about. You know, you have basically two different types of um, consumers of the brand. And do you work primarily on one or the other or how are teams split up? Because I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, just worrying about the hosts is a big design job in itself and like catering yeah. to them and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, so, um, we're so we organically move around and change. Like right now my focus is mostly on guests, but just a couple of months ago, um, I also was, uh, sort of working on our, our pro host community, um, and our plus host community, as well as our Lux host community. And then we have, um, an amazing team that's dedicated to working on like the entire host, um, uh, uh, ecosystem, whether it's design or tools or, or storytelling and whatnot. So you're absolutely right. It's very interesting because the first couple months, that I started working here, I really had to wrap my head around this like two-sided community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like all the, all the brands I've ever worked on had like one-sided community, one-sided uh, consumer base. So it is it is very complex. Um, and to be honest with you, our, our hosts are our most innovators. Um, it, they're more innovative than most of us. Uh, they're the ones who are uh, sort of like leading the way with, um, you know, like uh, the different types of, hospitality it's a very very personal and uh and and it, it they really do uh inject their own stories into the way that they provide uh these these personal touches uh so it's just really wonderful to like dig into that and understand that as much as we can um i mean i kind of i've never actually like hosted uh my house because uh, I always like live somewhere where it's just not, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's made me want to like host smaller mm. experiences, you know, cool. and, yeah. and it's really, really inspiring to be a, the, a part of it. I've always been a guest, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that part of it is really amazing. It is complex, but the thing that I think just sort of um, is, is really, really interesting, like hosting, at, it, it, you know, and, and, and the heart of it is like what we really stand for uh, as a brand. Uh, it's who we are. It's our origin story. And it's like what makes us really special. Um, so even if you're working on sort of like catering to our guest community, you still have to bring all that knowledge right. um, to be able to to present that. Um, but I think this idea of hosting and, and, and being hosted on, on our platform is this beautiful symbiotic yin and yang that mm-hmm. is just a world 
to be discovered still. And, and the Definitely. host actually teaches every day and it changes all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any stories of maybe from the host perspective of, uh, you know, a host being super creative with maybe a problem or maybe they have a super unique house and they, uh, you know, use storytelling or something creative to maybe market it or do special experiences for their guests? Because like you said, I imagine that the hosts get pretty creative within their own creative rights, you know? Absolutely. There's actually like a recent one that comes up. Um, uh, there are two hosts that live in Mexico City um, and they have taken an old government building that was about to be demolished and turned it into multiple Airbnbs. Um, and the heart of um, the, you know, the, this, this house is this library that they put together, which is like a collection of like uh, art, art and architecture and, you know, history and, um, and these beautiful sculptures that they've collected from all their travels around Mexico city. And it's just this, like, almost like this, you know, this, this center of gravity for everybody to come together and, and really experience that. And what they do in, in their home actually, um, economically empowers them to, to just be creative and to be artists and, you know, to live in Oaxaca and like create like some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, and it's just like, it, it's sort of like, it's this thing that just like feeds itself too. It's like the creativity that they bring to the home and the type of guests that they come and stay there just allows them to be even more creative. Um, I highly, I might send you the listing. Yes, I highly please. recommend staying there. <laughs> please Next do. Mexico City. I think they're just like booked forever because yeah. it's just so amazing. But, um, but they also like, they were able to add, uh, uh, a very modern wing also in, in into this beautiful old building. So the entire experience is um, you just immerse into the old and new of, of Mexico's culture and yeah. art and smells and just visual beauty. Yeah. It, it's really incredible. That's awesome. Um, so a lot of times on here, I ask people about the the knit and gritty of their day to day. And selfishly, it's like, I'm curious, but I think a lot of people out there want to know, hey, are there real jobs out there where I can be creative every day? And I can use, you know, uh, like you said, if you grow up in a household that's like engineering or doctor or lawyer, that's it. I think a lot of people are still starving to use their creativity and their job. Can you um, talk a little bit about maybe like a recent project that was exciting and challenging and something that, um, you know, you had to work with a big team on, or maybe it was just you or, um, you know, it was a, a fun recent challenge. Yeah. I mean, we basically uh, created a brand from scratch hmm. um, with Airbnb plus. It took about a year and a half to do so, working really close cross-functionally with um, our product and tech teams, with our experienced designer teams, and even with our environments team. And uh, we took something from zero to one, uh, which is a challenge that I've never had uh, personally. And uh, my team is a team of um, visual storytellers, copywriters, producers, uh, thinkers, makers, just, you know, and we just rolled up our sleeves and we just, <laughs> and can you explain it. what Airbnb plus is? Airbnb plus is, uh, basically a verified tier, uh, within our platform that stands for, uh, quality and comfort. Um, and you know, there, um, we, we have an amazing checklist of things that our hosts go over mm -hmm. and like good Wi-Fi is one of yeah. them, right? which is important for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% good <laughs> Wi-Fi is included. Uh, making sure that, uh, you know, devices have connections and all the great things, all the great things that you would want. Uh, but they're also like, they're very inspiring homes. This Mexico home that I just talked about is one of our plus homes. And there are many, many other um, examples of that. Um, so that didn't exist two years ago. And so now it does. And uh and then we just we were we were very lucky to be part of building that brand. Um, so most of my job these days is to make sure that I provide a very uh, nurturing and safe environment for the creatives to be able to create in. Um, so that's where I shift my focus on. 
um, and making sure that, you know, they're, um, they're, the sort of we're, we're still delivering on brief um, and on strategy, uh, but also making sure that the pathway is open for them to, to experiment, um, to get a little crazy once in a while, and then just like bring it back to like where it needs to go so we can, um, we can really deliver for, for our community. Yeah. Yeah. In a world of deadlines, what are some of the specific ways that you you do that? Well, I don't do it, but um, <laughs> or facilitate, help facilitate the you know creatives to feel like they have that freedom because that's hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just we have the the best producers um, on board to help us with that. They keep us honest. They keep us on track. Um, they they provide a lot of um, a lot of space uh, for the team, but also they make sure that we make our deadlines because if you don't, the work that you do doesn't really matter. Right, right. And then, how big are y'all's teams? Like, how how many people would you? I mean, are you breaking down projects? Like, okay, let's focus on how the listings are gonna look. Is that like one team broken up to other little teams? Is it? You know, yeah, I don't. I don't know actually the number of how big we are to be honest. But I, you are right. Like we do expand and contract based on um, what the priorities are and where the focuses are. Yeah. So with Airbnb Plus, what was the biggest uh, biggest branding part of it that you wanted people to know? Like, what were those few words? What was the one picture? What did the splash page look like? What was kind of the center of the branding for this? I mean the the it again at the heart of it the hosts why gotcha. plus why plus hosts are different, um, and that's that was our charter and you know we were delivering on it on every surface in every aspect possible again working cross functionally with a lot of people who are smarter than us, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you know I think at the end of the day like we wanted to make sure that the plus hosts were being seen. Um, in the light that they deserve to be seen, whether it's uh, from all the touches and personal touches that they put around to make your stay comfortable and magical, or if it was sort of if they had something to say um, to inspire each other. Right. Um, so do you have, uh, in your job, are you responsible for like hiring teammates and doing that process? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that because my, my people know that that's something that is a continuing struggle for me. Not struggle, but just learning process, you know? Yeah. Building a creative team is challenging, but it's so rewarding when you get it right. So um, in terms of when you're hiring candidates, what do you, maybe what's like one question that you think can help people when hiring or what is something that you look for? Um, because I think hiring creative people is a little different. I, I don't know any other way, but this is the way. Um, yeah, so again, like I've been really lucky to always be part of companies that they have just incredible systems and people in place that do a lot of vetting and and um, they have amazing communities that they reach out to. Um, so kudos to them um, for bringing incredible candidates to the table. I wouldn't know where to start personally. Uh, but when it comes to the type of people that I've always been attracted to, whether it's like the people who were my peers or people I reported to or the people that are part of my team, is always people who have something other than this, which is the thing that we do. Hmm. You know, whether it's nine to five or nine to nine or whatever the, the hours mm -hmm. are, um, I think I'm always interested in like where they've been and what they're about. Uh, I think that it's, I think it's part of building diverse teams. Um, it, it, and it's, and as a manager, then I'm responsible to make sure that there's a nurturing environment where those dynamics are going to grow and become stronger and then people can excel. Um, but I want to know what the, like your life story is like, where have you been? Like, I think what you said is like, you, you, you didn't choose the straight and arrow path. Like you, you've done it. You've been here, you've been there and you've collected stories and experiences. And I think that's what makes a great creative. I really do. It's like, we don't, 
Airbnb in general, I mean, diversity and inclusion is the highest priority of our business, not just creative. It's everyone, the entire team. We have like people sitting at the executive level that represent that. So it it creates an amazing environment for, for me to function in. But I think when people come from different walks of life, it's what makes our work interesting. It, you know, we have like, uh, if you think about it, no matter what brand you are, but specifically for Airbnb, think about the community of guests and hosts that we speak to and design for. What we need to represent internally is to represent that kind of a community. So, um, so it's not easy. And sometimes it takes a really long time to find the right person, yeah. but it's so worth it. Yeah. I think, it's worth it. yeah, I think one, like what you highlighted is just people having a genuine curiosity for life. Um, and I've definitely found out that that might be harder to kind of nail down, but once you do, you're like, oh, this person is right or not right. And then you see that in their work, right? If they take initiative, they're curious about certain things to problem solve about. Um, I love the Airbnb dot design, all the articles there. I was like checking that out yesterday and was just like, oh, it's just such a good well of information. So in one of the articles on Airbnb dot design, you mentioned the dominance of the male gaze through art and architecture history. Um, so as we begin to see more through, you know, a feminine perspective, 2020, what's up? Um, in what ways do you, do you see design changing in kind of our everyday world? Just considering who you're making for, hmm. right? Like we consider that on daily basis. Like who, who are we making things for? Um, is, our, is our community only one kind of person? <laughs> um, and um, so I think like inclusive design is like one of the biggest um, areas of focus, I would say, um, that as much as possible, my team contributes to that, but there is an amazing sort of group of people here who are the gate holders and, and the advocates and the voices of inclusive design, but it doesn't mean that it's like one person's job. It's all of our jobs to be able to bring that to the table, uh, and making sure that we're designing for human beings who come from very different walks of life with very different kinds of needs. Can we cater to every single person at the moment of time? No, but are we trying? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think that's, that's the, that's the difference. There's not one point of view and there's not one type of person and just being able to see that. Um, I think design, design is one side and also just, you know, the, the, the team, you know, the creative team is, telling the story is that they, they really do represent um, who our community is and how diverse they are. And I think we really do try. We have uh, systems in place. We have operations in place. We hire the people who come from all different walks of life, who are, you know, dads, moms, young, old, this, that. Like, th think about it. We, we have it. Um, and, and, and we really try to create our briefs in a way that it's as inclusive as possible. And in, in a very honest way, though, because um, I do think, uh, you know, sometimes brands sort of like latch on to like what's what's trendy and what's cool. And I think like Airbnb is like before I showed up and after I leave, it will always be right. honest. Because it's a part like, of the, the system, right? Yeah, part it, of the structure. It, yeah. it really 100% who we are. It's our mission. It's our vision. It's our every single day. Okay. Um, so it makes it, it makes it easy, but also it gives us this big responsibility to be able to deliver on mm -hmm. it. Too. Yeah. You said, you know, growing up, your parents had that expectation of being one of those three things, right? Um, and having a career, lawyer, doctor, engineer, that's a career, right? Where did it take a while to convince them or show them that, hey, there's, there's value in this type of field? Maybe architecture, that actually isn't like, I'm studying English in college. That's actually like a pretty solid thing. So I can imagine they probably had hope, but was there any moment where you had to sit down and convince them? Because I know I did, and so I can only imagine like first-gen immigration families, the on there's just more, I feel like there's more pressure, right? Yeah. And so I can imagine that you had to have some tough conversations. <laughs> it's a... I 
have to say this about my parents. I don't think they will ever listen to any podcast, but just in case they do, just in case. Um, it, the funny thing is like both of them are extremely creative people. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like my dad like plays like a lot of like instruments and my mom like really does express herself creatively through her cooking, even though they both were in the medical field. Um, so it wasn't so like off, but it was just like, how are you going to make a living out of this? That was mm-hmm. the question. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, should you be doing this or not? It was like, is there, is, is there like a thing you can do right. to like make a living? Are you going to live at, in our house forever? Right. Like, I think it was more like that. Um, but I think like for me, it was like, uh, you know, the way <laughs> I think I convinced them slash tricked them was like, <laughs> mom, I'm, I just want to be a professor. And they're like, oh, that's, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that is presentable, my child. That um, is an honorable job. Um, so <laughs> I'm translating like directly from the conversation at this Love point. It. But it was so it was that. And I did actually teach for two years. Okay. And I was I, I was a professor. So that's, that's a good little easy. that's a good little hack. Don't worry, guys, I'll be a professor. I'm just gonna, you know, do this for a few and then I got it. Don't worry. That's great. That's great. Where where did you teach? Um, at Cal Poly Pomona. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, I always, when I was in high school, I tutored and stuff. So that was always kind of in the back of my mind. But I, I think a lot of people who have tendencies to want to teach are, are helpful people. So that's cool that that's in your background. Thank you. Yeah. So, so now obviously you're at Airbnb doing cool stuff. What are some of the things that are getting you most excited right now? Whether it's specifically in your career, if it's in design, if it's maybe you have hobbies outside of design. Do you have any hobbies? I do have hobbies. <laughs> what are your hobbies? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I like making things with my hands. Yeah. And so the hobby changes sometimes. It goes from like doing pottery to just, you know, uh, drawing things that might become utilitarian objects. Yes. I mean, there's always like something, there's always a project that, um, that happens. And I, I don't know if like just having dogs is a hobby, but mm. I kind of feel like maybe it's a hobby of mine right now. That's um, great. Yeah. So there's that also, which is more of an obsession maybe. <laughs> um, if I ever yeah. move away from New York, I'm going to get a dog. Everybody should get it. I know it's just so hard in the city, you know. It really is. Yeah, but I do love like that bag dog Instagram situation. That's how it's really. That does excite me about the world. Yes, I like you. Yes. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I think like the world is so isolated and connected at the same time. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out like what's going to happen next. Yeah, I think it's exciting and terrifying to me that part. I, what really excites me about um, Airbnb is like, I do feel like it's one of the only brands that actually is trying to get you get off your screen and go out and explore and be a human and experience things. Um, So since that's what we're trying to do, I'm so happy to be here and be a part of it. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of things, the, you know, my, it's building a team that's, you know, come, comes from different, different backgrounds and, you know, hopefully with very strong POVs that are going to keep me honest and, uh, put me back in my place (laughs) once in a while is also very exciting. Um, I just think, um, it, the being part of Airbnb, what's really great about it. It's like, you're never not going to be innovating. Um, so there's always going to be something that we're going to do that we didn't do today. Um, and hopefully that's what I'm going to do for a really long time. Yeah. Keep keep reinventing, innovating, you know, being around people who do that and, and just keeping it sharp and young. Yeah, I love it. And <laughs> in, in the design world, there, there's always new tools that um, are making it easier for people to enter the field, whether it's, you know, like the no code tools, you know, we're seeing the rise of Squarespace and all these things. Um, or maybe if there is coding, you know, it's becoming more, more minimal. Um, do you, whether it's you or your team, um, can you share a little bit about some of the tools, software you guys use to enable, um, you know, 
web design, physical design, really anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I think we actually, um, I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry, everyone. We do have this like like a really amazing animation tool um, that's based on code and it's open uh, open source. Uh, So that's one of those. And um, I think for us is like we sometimes take a break from a lot of the digital tools and we do uh, a lot of exercises that like connect our brains to our hands as much as possible just to like break loose from you know, the grind of like constantly looking at a screen. Um, we, it's, I don't know if it's a tool, but like one of uh, the leads on my team also has like what he calls like a cultural program uh, where uh, we like go to a museum, go hmm, watch a cool. movie that like kind of maybe shocks us and like, you know, makes us snap out of our every day. Uh, and like we just bring as much inf- information and inspiration as we can um, into our day to day that's not just in our field. Um, and it's from the world at large. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do at the moment. But I do know that there is a couple of tools that Airbnb does use and it's open source for everyone to, um, to participate in. Very cool. Maybe, maybe I can follow up email with you Sorry. and I'll, yes. I'll put them in the uh, description. Um, but yeah, I think a good place to wrap things up is, do you have any advice for people who are intrigued by design, but they don't know where to start? There's obviously so many disciplines, whether it's physical products, web advertising, um, where do people begin? I think just having a really strong portfolio for when you get started is really important. Um, so people ask like, how do I make a portfolio when I don't? work somewhere. I think just having clients like your friends and family mm-hmm. and going at it is, is a good place to start usually, um, or making things for a nonprofit that otherwise would not have your services, mm-hmm. uh, I think is another. And I've, I'm not just making this up. I've seen it in a couple of like really uh, young and talented um, uh, potential you know, uh, employees in, in other, in here or other companies where um, you know, they worked with a nonprofit or they've done stuff for the election on their own at the local level. And I think it just shows that, you know, you're curious, you're resilient, you're, you know, you care and uh, you're putting things together that hopefully, you know, has a positive effect on someone. So I think that's a really good place to start. I think a lot of colleges and schools right now have uh, portfolio reviews and they also have um, training to prepare you for interviews. So just like participate as much as possible and interning, you know, yeah. find your neighbor, get a job. Exactly. Like, <laughs> find that them. architect neighbor guys. Come on. I'm exactly. <laughs> just like pretend that you know a lot about architecture and get an internship at your neighbor's architecture. Totally. Firm. And it's then that easy, it out. guys. Come on. <laughs> and then figure it out as you go. Yeah. Apologize later. Yeah. You know? No, I but. love that. Taking initiative, you know, follow, following your curiosities, and you don't know if you're going to like it until you try it. Yeah. I think, like, also just, like, I like recently have been so impressed by a lot of younger uh, creative and designers uh, that have such a strong personal brand. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, but there's like different tools that way. Like, you know who you are, you know what you stand for, you know, how can you tell that story? And it's, it's just wonderful to see all these things. Like, you know, as, again, as a dinosaur, like we didn't have that, but it's just, I, I just love, I love how, uh, how everyone is, is so passionate about having a voice and being mm-hmm. able to tell that story. It, it's just so impressive and wonderful to watch. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Well, Naz, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. And anything else that you want to put out in the world, thanks for chatting with me. I'm so glad that you dropped out of that that (laughs) college situation. You took this thing. I I Um, wouldn't be here without it. I wouldn't be talking with you, you know? Thank you. I might send your parents like a thank you note. Well, thank you so much. Um, And guys, make sure you're subscribed everywhere where you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. um, And we will see you in the next one every single Monday, That Creative Life. Uh, Thanks for listening. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It's time for the Sarah Peachy Q&A. At the end of these episodes, I will answer three questions from you guys. All you have to do is use hashtag that creative life on Twitter. It might help if you, you know, 
at mention Sarah Dietschy, um, but there's some good questions for this week, so let's just hop right into it. Um, the first two, they kind of go together. Santiago says, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your career? And then Adam asks, do you think we will ever see the return of the daily vlogger? So Santiago, I think the biggest mistake in my career was daily vlogging in 2016 because, hey, that's what everyone was doing. If I need to be successful, I need to daily vlog. Um, yeah, my, <laughs> my channel, my person, everything got better once I kind of took a step away from that because that wasn't me, right? Um, and then to Adam's question, do you think we will ever see the return of the daily vlogger? Who knows? Um, I think right now, YouTube, obviously way more saturated than it was, you know, three years ago. So I think a lot of people were starving for that quality content, but now there's so many things to watch and listen to that people really want to be selective with their time and they want to watch something that is just quality, you know? So a lot of times that isn't going to involve, you know, watching me eat cereal. So I think if vlogging is going to come back, it has to have, has to be meaningful. It has to be intentional, right? Um, recently, Tyler Babin made a 24 hours with episode of me. I'll link it in the podcast notes before. Um, and you know, it was pretty vloggy, but it was more behind the scenes, more purposeful with kind of what my everyday looks like. And so if I ever get back into vlogging, it'll probably involve someone else filming me and just letting them dictate the story um, because right now I don't find that super interesting trying to create a story from that type of stuff. I, I enjoy having more of a focus to my videos, whether it's tech, creativity, weaving it into my everyday life, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, question number two. Javier asks, what advice would you give to start a creative life in the content media creation department? Um, that's an interesting way to phrase that question. It depends what you like. I think there are so many things that you can do, so many things that you can do remotely. I think the internet has really leveled the playing field where you don't have to have that traditional nine to five. And even if you do and you want to start your creative life, you know, you can start when you get home every day at five or six p.m. So um, I think there are so many opportunities now to create value, you know, to build one product, one software, one skill that you can use and utilize outside of just renting out your time. So um, that that will allow you, because you know, a lot of people like to mention passive income, right? I, I really think that's I don't like that those words, passive income, because at some point you're going to have to um, do, you know, a certain amount of work in order to have income coming in. But um, I would say creating a video is a version of that because you make one product, you upload it to the internet, and it's infinitely scalable in that it can reach an infinite audience, right? You make a little Mac app, a little software, you put it on your internet for $9 or the Apple store for $1.99. That in a way is like passive income, but I, I hate that word. So we'll just say that is a singular product that is infinitely scalable because you make it one time and then you know, depending how you market it, depending who it reaches, um, you know, thousands, if not millions of people can buy that. And you're essentially making money off of only that you know, week you spent making that app or that year you, you spent making that app. So um, I think in order to pursue a creative life, you have to kind of think differently. Um, but there are more opportunities to build wealth instead of just you know, sitting there and renting out your time to being an illustrator or a video editor. Um, there's a good tweet thread about this by Naval. I will link in the description below as well. But yeah, just things to think about. You know, I will tell you guys, a white space is something that I've been dealing with in um, finding video editors. I think, uh, you know, what I've 
created with my channel, what is unique is the storytelling, the way I make videos. And so of course, it's not a surprise that it's going to be difficult to find someone um, and to pay them enough money to spend the extra time to really uh, study, nail my style down. Um, but I think YouTube editing in general is so different than how people are used to edit. So here's just a free idea. This is probably something I would do if I had enough time. If you can conquer the YouTube editing style, the jump cuts, the changing of songs, the levels of songs that, you know, it, it should be when a, when a YouTuber is talking. There's so many things that needs to be taught to video editors. If you could master that, maybe don't just, I mean, well, a YouTuber would pay you a lot of money uh, to just be their editor, yes. But you could take that extra step, make a YouTube editor course, and teach other people how to do that, um, and you would be helping a lot of people. So um, those are just some ideas uh, to, to get, you know, creating in this content media creation world, as you said, Javier. So I hope that helped. Okay, last question. Question number three from Mohammed um, at Mo at Mocha H A D E H. You you are always interacting with me on Twitter, so shout out. <laughs> um, he asked, now that you've grown and expanded into more things other than YouTube, do you still love making videos the way you've been in the past? Love the podcast, by the way. Yeah, I think with anyone who is doing something for a while, you know, I've been editing videos for literally over 10 years now. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty crazy. Um, and obviously, I love it, right? I don't think I could have built what I've <clears throat> built without enjoying um, video editing. And so I think with anything, you just have to kind of change it, change things up to keep it interesting, right? Uh, I, I think I've found a good blend of tech, talking to you guys, really diving into what what matters to creators. I think there's a lot of people talking specs out there. Um, so I found joy into um, I found joy in in the cadence that I found with the videos. There's a certain level of like satisfaction with them when I'm when I'm done with them. I'm spending more time on one video basically. So when I'm done with them, they feel worthy of putting putting out into the world. And so that results in maybe only one video, one YouTube video a week. Sometimes too if I get lucky um and and this podcast has been so fun to do because I think there's another question like what made you decide to do this podcast I I mean in the very beginning in 2014 some of my you know first videos I made re revolved around interviewing people and the uh creative spaces tv docuseries all of that was me sitting with a creator interviewing them for 45 minutes, kind of deconstructing how they got to where they were and how, uh, you know, and how can they provide value to the audience that I'm making these videos for. So really, it's like ultimately going back to what I was doing in the beginning. And that's super satisfying for me. Um, because one, hey, it kind of takes the pressure off me, right? Because I only have a certain amount of uh, things I can say. I'm not an expert in all these fields, so I don't want to bullshit people, right? Um, and so this really allows me to bring different viewpoints from different creative fields to hopefully help you guys in your that creative life journey. So it's honestly been a blast. Um, and yeah, I think that's where we're going to wrap things up. Thank you guys so much for listening. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That, that would mean so much. And we have some really fire episodes coming up. So share it with your friends. We have some episodes with Marquez, Hank Green, just the tip of the height, iceberg. Okay. Um, until next Monday, thank you for listening. Okay. Bye.